0: this is referee doug markham and you're listening to give me back my pro wrestling promotional consideration paid for by the following this is steve bowtie Bryant here back in the 90s i was a pro wrestling photographer for the south and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie Trading Cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13, Rookie Card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, The Scorpion, The Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Keresma, Little farmer john if you'd like an opportunity to get these cards contact me now you can get them for only 49.99 contact me is steve bowtie bryant at icloud.com get your set now while supplies last ladies and gentlemen
1: welcome to give me back my pro wrestling
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back, my pro wrestling podcast. And as usual, I'm joined by my brother from the same father and or mother, Plastic
1: Chic, Jared Street. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm trying to figure out the and and or thing, but okay, yeah, (laughs) I'm good. I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm
2: good. Just, you know, trying to do this thing here with this podcasting business, you know, busy as ever, as always, and just doing some fun things with that and you know, getting to interview some cool people. And, you know, we got some cool things coming up. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about the past here. So, you know, in the recent past, we've had, of course, Quentin Charisma, which that show did awesome. Lots of cool numbers on that one. Jump to number three with the quickness. Okay. So it was like Hot Rod Biggs. He was right on your tail it's and quickness stuff. with a q right quickness with a q yeah yeah. well that's
1: <laughs> isn't that the way to spell it hold on do you know a different exactly. way to No, i'm saying okay. all right, right. identify yeah. that
2: okay so shane morton of course is leading the pack and of course hot rod was number two quentin jumped up to number three and put greg ganya to number four okay well now rick reynolds show dropped okay so it's funny rick reynolds It was like Quentin was the show that a lot of people like that listened to us and would send in messages. And some of them were the boys and some of them were just listeners. And they would say, Quentin Charisma. And then a lot of the boys that maybe do or don't listen. They always were telling me, you should get Rick Reynolds. You should get Rick Reynolds. And the fact that we basically had two of the most requested guys in a row, you know, was kind of blessing. So Quentin jumped to number three and then Rick Reynolds came in and he was just scooting up the charts. And so now Rick Reynolds is our number two all time so far as of yet. Every time he gains on Shane, Shane gains more. So it's like, I don't know what's (laughs) going on there. But anyway, so Shane, Rick Reynolds, Hot Rod Big, Quentin Charisma Crow and Greg Ganya is completely out of the top five. So anyway,
1: Shane just calling up more Mortons to listen to it every time. Yeah, yeah, so he's like, those.
2: "Hey, Teddy Morton and Arn Morton, <laughs> 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 Ollie Morton, who are you at?" Listen to this. Yeah, but anyway, it's cool, man. But Rick, that was a great episode, receiving a lot of great response from it. Again, Quentin, everybody felt like they were very genuine, and that's that's important. But yeah, man, so what did you think of the shows? I know you were on a holiday, and
1: you were able oh, to. Yeah. You know, all of them been good, everybody. Like you said, I think everybody comes across so genuine. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these guys haven't got, had their story out there, 20 times i mean there's people there's people we might could get that you know people have heard on 50 other podcasts and you know right. they're going to they're going to tell some of the same stories it's just the way it is they only yeah. have so many and inevitable yeah and people are going to ask for the highlights a lot of times sure uh, so so when we yep. get guys like these that have uh, you know put in the work put in the grind and put years into this business and it, it's good for them to get their flowers and get the and get the notoriety they deserve. So it's yeah. uh, I yeah. think you get a I think you get some genuineness that you just can't get out of somebody that that you've heard everything from. For. Yeah,
2: and you know it's funny that you said that word genuine. You know because that is kind of the vibe we get from all these guys. But today's guest is is absolutely somebody who I would say that about in referee Doug Markham. Doug is just. I would say absolutely is one of those guys that we you could say is a genuine guy. And you know, when it comes down to it, I was in the business a few years before him, but we made it to the show that a lot of guys wanted to work at in Nashville together. And so we have a little bit of a tie there. You know, he had been doing a little work before he got to that show. I'd been doing a little work before I got to that show. But then that show happened. And that's kind of like a moment, an intersection there of of when you meet somebody in your life and then you become friends with them. And then eventually you, you know, do a podcast and you bring them on as a guest. I mean, it's kind of like a full circle thing. But, you know, Doug is just Man, I don't know anybody that can say anything bad about Doug. I mean, if they did, they're just making it up to rib on him, you know, but when it comes down to it, Doug's just a great guy. Doug's a really good referee, very talented. You know, I don't know that he's done with that yet. I do believe he still has the itch here and there. He had he had some curves in the road that he had to get around, but I know that he's in a good mindset right now. And you know, who knows if we've seen the last of Doug? Maybe we'll we'll get to talk to him about that. But the biggest important part is is I can't wait to you know just learn more about Mr. Doug Markham, the referee.
1: Yeah, our first referee. It's uh you know about time. Good to have one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, come there's
1: on. Such a key, there's such a key to, to the business that people don't realize, I think. Oh, I mean still- – yeah. They're so key. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They really are. They're very important to the match itself. You know, they're that third person, you know, so I'm, I'm glad to, I'm glad to have that. And he'll be the third person today on the podcast with you and I, of course, we thank y'all so much for tuning in as always. You've treated us so well and you've just really showed us how much you enjoy listening to these stories that we're letting these guys tell. So we, first of all, want to thank you all so much for continuing to stick around with us and more importantly stick around after these messages because we'll have our guest the referee Doug Markham we'll be right back hey guys this is Wolfie D from PG-13 check out my podcast live and in color with Wolfie D every Monday at noon we're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW WCW, WWF
1: everywhere that I've been we even have some great guests, some hall of famers on the show with us every Monday live and in color with Wolfie D join me Gene Jackson
0: for the Jackson Interaction action podcast where i'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling as well as stand-up comedy you can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form but you can find them all at genejacksonpod.com
2: all right we are back with more from the give me back my pro wrestling podcast and as promised i have a very special guest in one doug markham doug what's up brother welcome to the show
0: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Good brother. Good. How you doing, man? I'm good.
2: What are you into these days?
0: Uh, just work and go to little league games and softball games and monster yeah. jam events and
2: I see that, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> wrestling with
0: cars, isn't it?
2: <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, big trucks at least. Yeah. So, it's kind of like, you know, King Kong Bundy smashing a midget sometimes, you know? So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, we always start the show with the very first question with my brother, the plastic sheet, Jared Street. Jared, take it away.
1: So, Doug, I, I know you might suspect what this question may be. It's uh of course patent pending. <laughs> but but today I've got a very special two-part question for you. And it's your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers and your Mount Rushmore of referees. So two All different right. Mount Rushmore, four or five, whatever you need to complete each list.
0: I was preparing for one. Now, now i got one, two. So
1: <laughs> Three of curveball. Um,
0: wrestlers, I would say Bobby Eaton yes. would be definitely in there. Um, Rick Flair would have to be in there. Awesome um, probably Macho Man and Steve Austin dude what a list
2: <laughs> can't really argue that at all there's nothing to <laughs> Yeah, and then what about your referees uh, I can't wait to hear this one
0: referees uh, Tommy Young the goat yeah he would he would be he would be first um, Earl Habner gotta have Earl uh Mark Curtis, Brian yeah. Hildebrand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And probably, oh, man, the fourth one, I would say probably Jerry Calhoun. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And then for a fifth, I would have to throw Nick Patrick in there, maybe even Randy Peewee Anderson. Yeah, man. So those were the guys I grew up watching, you
1: know? Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. I saw Nick Patrick and Peewee Anderson so much watching WCW. It's, it's a... Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I mean, you know, Tommy Young, too. Come on, man. I love Tommy Young. That's that. You know, to me, Jerry Calhoun and Tommy Young did have a similar style about them, you know, and I feel like that Aubrey Edwards girl kind of somewhat tries to be the modern day version of them with the heavy reactions and very animated. But I don't know. I don't want to get into that yet. Maybe that comes up as a question later. But anyway, I love that. (laughs) that list
1: (laughs) both lists are phenomenal man that's great great stuff uh you can tell you can tell uh, when you listed Bobby Eaton first with the wrestlers that that just shows uh we, we know where you're coming from so he was one of the smoothest guys in the ring I ever saw
2: dude Dude, man, I tell you a funny story. So I'm working back when I was doing the Omar gimmick, and I'm working a show for Porter, and it's a big show. It's like a, a benefit or something. It's a big show, and he'd brought in Bobby Eaton. He'd brought in Ricky Morton. He'd brought in all these guys. And so in the back, I usually hung my suit and everything in a certain section. And this was our normal locker room there on Gallatin Pike when I was working for Porter. And underneath it was Bobby's riding partner and his bag in one seat. And we had a referee there. They called him All Night Bobby. He barely had a tooth in his head. Did you know Bobby at all? (laughs) No, I didn't know him. Anyway, All Night (laughs) Bobby. I thought the guy, I didn't know. Who was the guy that rode around with Bobby, made towns with him?
0: Taller guy, had a ponytail. Uh do you know him? I don't know. No, uh, Brian Thompson is who I know that that Bobby used to uh, travel with. So I don't know who that could have been.
2: Not not sure either. Maybe maybe it was just a one time or a couple time thing. But anyway, ab- above Bobby's bag was where I hung my suit. So I was hanging my suit, and I, and I said. I said, whose bag is this? And this is the famous duffel bag. You know what I'm saying? And he goes, oh, that's just Bobby's. And I said, you reckon he'd mind if I moved it? And had I, I thought it was Bobby, like the referee Bobby. And it right. was Bobby Eaton. And I. he was like, no, Bobby wouldn't care. And I moved. Had I known, and I felt like, and Bobby didn't, he no-sold it. <laughs> I don't even know if it bothered him. But I moved his bag over one seat. Had I known that was Bobby Eaton's bag, I would have worked it out to where I never even touched it. You know what I'm saying? Because that's, uh, yeah, that's I, that that embarrasses me to this day that I did that. And yeah, just such a great he man. Did, he,
0: he did not care. I, I will assure you of that.
2: <laughs> but it's you know what i'm saying that respect thing doug yeah, you know, yeah, yeah i mean i'm sure you know and that's the famous duffel bag that he did pull out anything you needed you need tape you need thread you need a you know anything you need a band-aid you need a sucker i mean whatever yeah. he's got it in there you know i always thought he had a sleeping bag in there if he needed it you know and <laughs> it was like santa claus sack except it was bobby eaton's duffel bag but anyway yep so so to kind of get the show going, we could talk about Bobby Eaton. And by the way, when we do a Bobby Eaton episode, which I think we should do that anytime, we'll bring you back on because you knew him so well. But I want to start out talking about Doug Markham here. So obviously, you are our very first referee on the show, brother. And that, that's pretty cool, man. Right? Cool. Yeah. yeah Yeah, and I've always thought about you as very high respect, man. I know you did your job well, but let's go back to the beginning here. So tell us a little bit about your early days, brother. Where were you born? Where'd you go to high school? How was it growing up where you're from?
0: Um, I was born in Huntsville, Alabama, and I went to Bob Jones High School. Okay. But growing up, like, I became a fan of wrestling as early as I could remember yeah uh my mom and dad were friends with bobby eaton and orwell hutto whenever oh, they were teenagers.
2: yeah yeah
0: so did that you know like i was around wrestling when i was a baby and you know up until helped pretty much my whole life yeah and uh, so i've always liked it and um we used to have this cable system when i was like maybe 12 13 years old and uh we could get channels I, I lived in in Huntsville, but we had the we had the birmingham stations we could get um we could get new York stations we got uh Dallas, so I was getting wrestling from all over the place and it's like I didn't watch just certain ones. I watched every one I could, you know.
2: Yeah. You were probably in an area that you could probably watch Memphis. You could watch, obviously, we had TBS and the Superstation. Then, of course, we would have the WWF and stuff. Are you just one of those guys that went, if it was wrestling, you were trying to watch it? Is that it?
0: Yeah, pretty much.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, that's us too. I mean, I remember watching Global when I was young. I remember watching. I mean, so many AWA, of course. You know, anything we could watch. The only thing we really didn't get in our area was Memphis. Unfortunately, that's yeah. the one thing I wish I knew more of at the at, in my younger days. You know,
1: I remember watching Gorgeous
0: Ladies of Wrestling
1: at one point. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I used to, I, I used to watch that too. <laughs> we had uh, we had the Dallas Channel, and I would get you know uh world class would come on at like 10 o'clock at night on saturday yeah yeah and i was watching that and mid-south it came on one channel we had kind of late at night and
2: yeah that's awesome that's awesome okay real quick i want you in the sheet to do something for me real quick okay so I'm going to count to three and I want you to say your birth date. Okay. So Doug, you say your month and the date. Okay. And then Sheik, yeah. you say the month and the date. Okay. So when I count yeah. to three, same time, same time. Yeah. Okay. Same time. All right. So three, two, one, go
1: oh, August 26th. <laughs> there you go. Good day. A Good day. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I noticed that. I found that out online, Doug, because I was doing my stalking on you, man. And you know, and when I saw it was your birthday, you know what's funny is little Sheik's birthday too. So Jared's got a son, son, Paxton. His his birthday's the twenty sixth too. So he was born on Jared's birthday. Yeah.
1: So that's hardly ever that happens, you know. Yeah. So so I I don't get to celebrate birthdays anymore. It's all about my son. So.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I saw that, I popped though. I thought I had to bring that up. So, Jared, go ahead That's with the next cool. one.
1: Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about like your start in working in wrestling. Like, who who like trained you? Or anything like that? With all you do.
0: Um. Well, my start came because of Orville Hutto.
1: Oh, Hut. He's great.
0: Yep. He. Uh. I had you know I had wanted to be in wrestling for a long time since I was a kid. You know and back then like i didn't know how to go about doing it you know what yeah. i'm saying like yeah exactly yeah i didn't really know anything about indie wrestling because like when i was coming growing up it was all territories and stuff
2: right it's on tv and that's what so, we think exists yeah. yeah
0: so i didn't really know about indie wrestling well then uh hutto was he was going to run a couple of little shows in Athens Alabama Okay. And so I was kind of hanging out with him and doing whatever he needed done, you know, at the building and stuff. And one day we were just riding around and I told him I wanted to be a referee. Yeah. And he just kind of gave me the, you do. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so I said, yeah. And well, he never said anything else about it. And then like two weeks later, he called me up and he said, uh, you need to go get you some black pants, black shoes, a ref shirt and a black belt. He said I got you a a shot in Mount Pleasant in 2 weeks. Yeah. That's so, awesome. As far as training goes, I didn't have any. <laughs> just on the job oh, training. Man. Yeah, and and that was like that was something later on that I thought about that meant a lot to me was that Hutto was like the only person that had that kind of uh, faith in me, I guess you could say.
2: Yeah, for sure, dude. How how old were you when (laughs) you started? About what age was it? Oh,
0: God. I was old, man. Uh, I started in early 2012.
2: I was going to say that Uh, because I know you kind of came around and I was just barely in the business myself. But anyway, go ahead.
0: The the first night that I started, um, and I don't know the exact date because... I honestly didn't think there would be a second date, you know. Sure,
2: sure, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I thought this was just a try out, just to, you know, let me see what it was like or whatever. Right. And
2: old family friend allowed you to try your dream, you know, and
0: yeah. yeah. And so we're we're on our way up there. I rode with him and and I kind of asked him, you know, do I not need to be trained? And <laughs> And he told me he was like, uh, if I didn't think you could do this, I wouldn't be letting you do it. Yeah, and yeah. So uh, you know that kind of clicked. I mean, yeah. And that's uh, I started in Mount Pleasant first night, first night in the business, and I'm in the locker room with Tommy Haggy, oh, Marvel Hutto, Hot Rod Biggs, Mike Woods. Yeah, I mean it was in Tim Bernesto. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was like I couldn't help but learn.
2: And this was just something that Arville was
0: running? No, nah, he wasn't running that. That was, uh, I think, Devin Domain ran it.
2: Okay, gotcha. Okay. And, uh, uh, he just got you the booking. Got it. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him was the booker at the time
2: okay and dude for a voucher into the business you can't beat Arvel hutto you know what i'm saying i mean that's right. as good as that's as good as anybody you can get to vouch for you say hey this kid can do it you know so that's cool that's cool yeah,
0: without him there wouldn't be a me
2: yeah well hey i'm yeah, I've got those guys myself, so I know exactly how you feel. Now, one night I, I got booked at Saw, so I'd been working for Porter, and I was tired of not getting paid, you know. And I kind of felt like at this point I was contributing to something that was much bigger, and I'm lo- I'm not I'm not making anything there. So one night I'm leaving there and I'm pretty much wrapping it up there and honestly the promotion didn't last much longer but dude, TJ stopped me and said hey Jimmy do you want to work Friday nights at Saw and I was like well you know I never thought about it I didn't you know I just didn't know if anybody else would book me kind of like how you felt you know and sure right. enough I I end up at Saw with them and then all of a sudden one night I believe did you ride in with Shane Morton or something but anyway I just remember you being there and Shane was there and Shane introduced yeah. me to you tell me a little bit about that like getting to that point
0: uh well to that point um I worked for Tony Falk before that right right um, okay I was I hadn't been I hadn't been in the business long at all man maybe uh, maybe two or three months yeah and one of the guys in the in the back comes up to me and he says hey you need to go to Nashville and talk to Tony Falk and I said for what because i didn't know Right, right you know two three months in i didn't know what he was talking about sure yeah and he said uh he said you're a good referee and he needs some you know he needs a good referee so you need to go talk to him and so the next the next saturday night he tells me that he talked to tony falk and for me to go up there the following friday yeah yeah and I did, and I went up and talked to Tony that afternoon and worked the show that night and kind of just started going up there every Friday and to Mount Pleasant on Saturdays. And I was still living in Huntsville at the time, too, doing this drive. And how long was that of a drive? Um, To Nashville was like an hour and a half or so. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Mount Pleasant, it was probably about the same. Yeah. And,
2: and I'm not trying to be nosy on specifics, but I mean, are you getting at least some trans on the way or are you riding in with somebody?
0: No, I was doing it all on my own. Cause I didn't know anybody at the time. Gotcha. And, okay. And yeah. Nobody lived down there around where I was at. So
2: even if you did, you'd have to meet somebody a little ways on up there. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. On
0: Saturdays, you know, for Mount Pleasant, I would meet up with Hutto and Ardmore and we would ride the rest of the way together. But, Those Nashville trips was all me.
2: Yeah. That's that's man that's that's I mean I know how you feel. I mean not to say I lived in Nashville and I was going to Miller'sville so I know how, you know, some of that drive is but that's nowhere near the Huntsville drive, you know what I'm saying? That's right. a, it, Now okay, so you I remember I'm in the back and I'm I'm managing Shane and Bubba at the time and we're working an angle with Gary Valiant and and all of a sudden Shane introduces me to you and I will remember it like, you know, for the and I said he said, "Hey, there's a referee I want you to meet." And I go up to you and I shake your hand. And I just remember that very first meeting because you kind of are like, you seem confident, but I also can see like, you're like, man, I, I, I'm i just trying to meet all these people. Like, you're just kind of taking it all in. And one of my favorite things to try to do with you when you were in the ring, and I tried to do all this to, to all the refs, is I wanted to make the referee laugh or giggle. <laughs> and <laughs> That was my goal. If I could make the ref laugh and, and, you know, uh, try to try to fight a laugh, that was my little secret story and stuff. So if I could ever make somebody, you know, smile or laugh or something and, you know, because that would be me ribbing them, you know what I mean? But anyway, yeah, I remember you working there and I remember, man, I was like, dude, this guy's got it together, man. I had no clue. You were barely in the business though. You know,
0: (laughs) that's uh, a lot of people said that, um, Whenever I met Plunkett and Drew for the first time, they were, yeah. they kind of said the same
2: thing. Like what you've been doing in Alabama, you've been working the, the shows down in Alabama.
0: <laughs> that That's what thing. people would ask me, you know.
2: Yeah. Now, let me ask you something, because obviously during this time at SAW, it, it does transfer into NWA SAW, and it was those blue shirts with the NWA patch on it. And there's quite a few pictures of you out there with that. Was there a little drama with that NWA SAW shirt? ref shirt with you
0: what do you mean
2: well wasn't it wasn't it something to wear like hey i need that shirt back or something i don't know
0: uh let's see probably yeah the night that uh that tj fired me
2: that's it that's well, what was that story man
0: dude that came about from PCW. okay I was running that. okay and i had I had worked their T V tapings in Arkansas like the month before.
2: Yeah, yeah. And this is the Rivera guy, right? The Yeah. Guy, the place that Wolfie yeah, was Riviera. working and Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Riviera. Yeah.
0: And what happened was one of the fans that came to Saul hit me up asking me about tickets to the T C W show. Okay. And all I told him was, is I could get him two tickets, right? So <laughs> I got the, the tickets for him and, and brought them to him that night to Saul. Yeah. And somebody, I guess, told TJ that I was selling tickets to their show at his show. And he got mad. That's how that
2: happened. Dude. Okay, man. And and so what, yeah. what did he say to you? Just like, don't do that. He didn't even give you a, a one strike. Yeah. <laughs> He just said, no, no man,
0: he just, yeah, he just, he was like, that, that ain't right. And, and like, at the time I didn't really understand that I did anything wrong, right. but you know, then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, I mean, I, I guess that is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There there's like, I shouldn't.
2: Yeah. There's like enough gray area there that it could be taken yeah, the wrong yeah. way. Yeah. Well, I just remember there was something about somebody kept saying, I need that shirt back from him. <laughs> <And> I, I, <laughs> I I just remember maybe there was a delay on you getting the NWA shirt back to him or something. I don't know. I just, I was like, man, I hate that. Well, first off, I hated that you were no longer there.
0: I did too. I loved working there. And yeah. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I never had any hard feelings towards TJ because he was always good to me, him and Kroll both. Man, I love Kroll to death. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I hated I was gone too because I liked
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Now, so you're working for TCW, and this is kind of what I lead into too. They were doing some really cool stuff, man. Like I almost felt like that show had it gone in a different direction, it could have easily been, you know, something bigger than it ended up being. You know, had a lot of great names. You know, it had a beautiful look to it. It looked like wrestling. You know, talk a little bit yeah. about the TCW deal.
0: Um. That came about through Brian Thompson. Um, he traveled with Bobby at the time. I think Bobby might have been living with him at that oh. time.
2: Okay, okay.
0: And uh, I, I'm pretty sure Brian was the one that, you know, helped get me booked there. Yeah. And okay. so I, I went out. The first show I did for him was in Arkansas, and uh, I actually went out there with Wolfie for that trip. And, uh, that was my first, I guess, big TV taping that I ever did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. So then when they asked me to do the Nashville show, I was, you know, happy about that. And I thought, I thought it was going to be a big thing too. And then I think they only had one more show after the Nashville show and then it folded.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then didn't you work some with global force as well too?
0: Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, it was kind of, I don't know, global force light maybe at that time because, oh,
2: okay. Okay.
0: Um, he wasn't really doing the, the big TV tapings or the arenas or whatever at that time. But I did, uh, I did a bunch of fair shows for Jeff and I did those, uh, the music city bowl shows that they do for the players and the, families
2: yeah yeah those are cool though yeah yeah
0: those are fun i did some of
2: those too that's awesome so what was the what was the story with global force at the time was it just kind of like hey this is almost it's kind of like tcw didn't last long global force was kind of like jeff's like he took a little bit of tna from tna and said hey i'm making my own thing with global force basically
0: yeah i think it was kind of like I don't know what kind of phase you would call it, but he wasn't really running big shows with it, but he was still using the name, I guess.
2: Yeah, okay. I knew a few guys that were... Working there, like the announcer, not sure of his name. I I just remember all of a sudden a bunch of dudes start riding down, I think from Kentucky, and it was like Cash Flow. Billy the P was a manager, and then Roy Guffey and and another guy that was an announcer. And he, I can't remember their name, but it was like all of a sudden this crew came out of nowhere and they were at Porter's and they were at TJ's. They were literally taking over Nashville. And I remember Uh seeing that guy, he showed up in Global Force, the announcer guy, Matt or something. I can't. Matt Douglas I'm thinking maybe right, anyway yeah,
0: Does it really- yeah, yeah, Is
1: that is that who that was can't remember Yeah so question for you who won the Spider-Man versus Green Goblin match
0: <laughs> Um well <laughs> I think it was a draw Okay okay <laughs>
2: That was cool right
0: Yeah so that um Wolfie came up with that whole idea I yeah. hit him up about uh about doing, you know, some art for me, and I kind of told him I just wanted it to be a referee because I had seen the one that he had did for Will Gibson.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, uh, so I told Wolfie, I said, "You just come up with whatever you want to do, and you know, go with it and throw me in there." That's what yeah. he came.
2: To Dude, that was a cool shirt, man. I I remember seeing that because the you know, Will Gibson one has what? It's I think uh, it's Lawler and Dustin Star. With, yeah. Dustin. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of Dustin's name there. I think it was Dustin Star Lawler, and and maybe Dustin's wife or something, and then Will standing there. And it's cool, man. That's yeah. a cool shirt. Wolfie's a heck of an artist. It's always fun, man. Yeah, so. So obviously you're working the Tennessee area. You're doing this, and you're kind of going and kind of going, and then eventually you end up working for Major League Wrestling, man. So you know you're working at Global Force. You're doing these things. TCW, direct us all the way to you, leading up to MLW, man.
0: Oh man, um, well back in I guess twenties. Well, I don't even know the year. <laughs> all years ago. I yeah. suck at timeline, but Paul Adams started running, uh, it was Southeastern championship wrestling okay, over in Knoxville. And we were doing TV once a month over there. And, uh, so that's where I met Tom Pritchard and he was working those shows over there. Yeah. And, uh, so it just kind of. We did those for a while. Something happened and they stopped doing that. And I just kept, you know, going and going and going. And sometimes the MLW thing came about sometime in 2018. I had started asking around about who to email and stuff like that. And so I had sent a couple of emails and then I was booked on a show with the dirty blondes. And when it was, when they were, uh, Colonel Parker was traveling with them. He was managing them.
2: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And they,
0: were, and they were in the MLW at the time. And so I was telling them, you know, that I had sent a couple of emails and everything. And I'm pretty sure that they had a hand in helping get me up there.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Cause, cause like a week or two later, I got a email saying, can you be in Chicago next month or whatever? So that's how that came about. Um, my first show with them was in November of 2018, and um, I missed the next show in December, but then starting in January 2019, I did pretty much every show that year for them.
2: Okay, so they're traveling all over the place, right?
0: Yeah, once now, a month usually. With-
2: yeah. Are you doing those drives, or are you flying or
0: no, I was driving.
1: Mm. Mm. Um,
0: that, that was a really hard part. Um, cause I was still working full time job. Yeah. 40 plus hours a week. And then, um, like 2019, just for MLW, I was in Chicago twice, New York city twice, uh, Milwaukee, Dallas
2: and Orlando. <laughs> all, all in 2019. Oh, man. And you living in Alabama or are you living in Tennessee at that time? No,
0: I'm living in uh, Tullahoma, Tennessee now. Tullahoma,
2: okay. And so I know yeah. it's like probably 15 hours, right? Or 15 in New York. I know it's not as bad as Chicago, but still that's a that's a drive for sure. And then Orlando. The New
0: York. The New York and the orlando trips and one of the chicago trips i had somebody riding with me okay okay but but i mean you know if you if you don't have anybody to ride you just got to do it yourself Man. You gotta figure out a way to make it work
2: <laughs> are you and, and please don't take this the wrong way because i don't want to Insult you because I I I think very highly of you and your talent. Were you making money on these trips, or were you? No. Okay. (laughs) No. You were losing. You were losing money. But I mean, dude, the and I'm sorry if that sounds like a disrespectful question. I didn't mean it that way.
0: No, it's not. I mean, because a lot of people think you know that even even at the level that I was doing it, there was a lot of people that thought that I made a lot of money.
2: Of course. And I'm
0: like, no, I really don't, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: I'm you're... i for the love of it and to, you know, to try to catch the right eye or whatever to try to get signed. I mean, that's, sure. a, that's your end goal is to try to make a living at it, you know?
2: Yep, absolutely. It's what, you know, I tried to do music, a little bit of wrestling. Now this podcast, I'm trying to kind of catch the right ear or eye or whatever. I know that exact deal. You know, with MLW, you know to me, that's kind of like what you would consider like minor league baseball. You know what I'm saying? They're, They're doing high-quality shows that look amazing, and they're not quite to the WWE level. But at the same time, you know, I could easily see, hey, somebody's there. Somebody sees you, says, hey, this guy's a hell of a ref. Let's try him out. Let's do it, you know. And then that's where it clicks. So, So really, you know, sometimes, like you said, you're doing it for the love, which at the same time, that – you know there's always a tax with doing it for the love that's just the truth you know yeah. how did you how did you meet court Bout? did court book you i mean did court bring you there or was it somebody else how did you i know he was the boss so obviously that was the guy but did you meet him and that's how it came about or did somebody introduce you
0: um i didn't get introduced to court until i got there and, okay you know show days he was always busy and i mean if you had you know if you had to talk to him you could but sure i never really bothered him a whole lot <laughs> right right who was
2: the end that you had at mlw or, or who got you there
0: well the email that i received was from the booker at the time uh MSL is what he was oh, yeah. about.
2: MSL, yeah, used to be on a podcast with Kevin Sullivan. I remember MSL and Kevin Sullivan had a podcast that was really good. I used to listen to it. So MSL was the booker, and he's the one that kind of brought you in. Now, at that time, tell me some of the names that were at MLW.
0: Uh, at the time I was there, we had Brian Pillman Jr., um, Davey Boy Smith Jr., Teddy Hart, uh, let's see, MJF was there. Hammerstone. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was it was a great roster. Jacob Fatu, he was there at the time too.
2: Yeah. So was MJF already working the gimmick at that time? Yeah. Was he keeping it going in the locker room too? Eh, to a point. Yeah. So I know how a ref kind of works. You basically, you know, like, hey, you're working the, this match with these guys and stuff like that. That's kind of when you talk to some of the guys. Did a lot of the guys keep to themselves or was it a pretty open locker room? Where You know, I'm thinking of, of the indies like I worked on, the smaller indies. Was it a little more higher level than those or was it kind of similar to where everybody kind of congregated with each other?
0: Um, It was wide open. I mean, everybody you know, hung out and just did
2: whatever.
0: Yeah. I mean, everybody was was always cool, though.
2: That's cool. That's cool.
0: It was fun fun to work there.
2: Yeah. Tell me, what was your favorite match you did while you were working there? Oh, man. Or maybe a couple, you
0: know. There's one in particular that I can remember was when uh, the Von Erics, Won the tag team titles, and I was reffing that match. So that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um I don't know, man. There was a lot. I reffed, uh Jacob Fatu matches. I always enjoyed refing. Um, yeah.
2: What was it about those that you
0: liked? He's just so good. I don't know why he's not already been signed to WWE or somewhere. Why is he not in that bloodline? Yeah. Why is he not in the bloodline? Exactly. That's Exactly.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe it'll happen, but I don't know. <laughs> it's funny, man.
2: I I don't get that either cuz he's got it all together. He can work and he looks good and he's got that great look and I mean he's just, you know, he's 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 definitely it's it's makes me scratch my head as to why he's not doing something with the bloodline as well, but Yeah. So, okay. So I'm doing at this time around the time that you're doing this, what I'm actually doing is I'm living in North Carolina with my wife, but I'm working in Virginia. So the way it would work is I would stay the weekends with her, usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I would drive up to Virginia work. In, in, a, re, a shoot job not a not wrestling or anything and I would work right. my shoot job and I would actually stay with my parents and then drive back to North Carolina and basically it's all about the job that I had and, and you know moving to North Carolina when I got married so at this time I'm driving and I'm listening to a ton of podcasts at this time I hadn't started the podcast with Wolfie D it was in my mind to try to I wanted to start one I'd been wanting to start a podcast for a while but just never made it happen and i'm listening to all the podcasts basically at this time a lot of the ones on ad free shows and the one i was listening to especially around this time was the what happened when with tony shivani and conrad and i'm driving and all of a sudden one day conrad brings up he says something to tony shivani about you know, working with Doug Markham and maybe getting him fired from MLW or something, and just a joking manner with Tony Schiavone. And Tony's like, "I didn't do that." And I'm like, "Hold on!" And I rewound it, and and it was you, Doug Markham. And I was like, "Holy crap!" I said, "I knew you were working at MLW." And trust me, I was pulling for you, man. I was I was stoked to see you. one of the good guys that I'd known forever. I was stoked to see you doing what you were doing. So I, I, I hear this on Conrad's podcast, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" And I rewind it like three times just to make sure I heard it correctly. Dude, that was nuts for me. <laughs> what yeah, when did was, you hear that about was. that you were on that podcast or were you listening to it at the time?
0: At the time I was listening, uh, I started out like I didn't even know what a podcast was. Sure. And me and Plunkett had went to Illinois, I think, for a show.
2: Okay. And we
0: were coming back we were on our way back and we were talking about, um, wrestling and different stuff. And the subject of Tony Schiavone came up Yeah, and I said, yeah, I would like to hear like a shoot interview or something with him. And Plunkett says, you don't know about his podcast. And I said, no, <laughs> and he, he told me about it. And so we got back to my car. And so the rest of the way home, I started listening to it. And so then I started keeping up with it and, you know, but, uh, so yeah, I knew about it, but I didn't know he was going to say all that ahead of time.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, no, do you know this? What do they mean by all that? Was it just a rib on Tony that Conrad's ribbon, Tony, or is it just, is there something to that, that Tony Schiavone got you fired?
0: <laughs> no, it ain't nothing to it. It's, okay. It was just Conrad ribbing Tony.
2: Yeah and it you know Doug Markham from Huntsville also very similar to Conrad Thompson from Huntsville now I know you may be in a different tax bracket no again no disrespect to you <laughs> he's he's in a different tax bracket than all of us but what i mean by that Man, there is
0: ain't too many people. In that
2: same bracket <laughs> i know and you know people i know a lot of people that hate on conrad because he's successful but to me dude to hate on the goat i mean he's the guy that's that kind of does podcasts better than anybody and i wish i was i wish i could do it that good you know what i'm saying so to know that now have you met conrad a few times yeah yeah have you partied with conrad maybe yeah we've hung out <laughs> and how is he as a guy just to be a kind of a goof?
0: <laughs> oh, he's fun. Uh down to earth. I mean, just he's great to be around.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean this in the best way possible. He's kind of like the ultimate of all of us. You know what I'm saying? Because we're all huge fans of wrestling. Not only does he get to talk to all these wrestlers, he runs an empire. He's best friends with my favorite wrestler of all time. And then at the same time, he ends up marrying his daughter, you know, so he kind of. He, he won a lot of that you know <laughs> yeah so you know anyway i just kind of wanted to bring that up because i dude i popped i was like holy crap they're talking about doug markham on the tony shivani podcast I, 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 think about little doug okay think about doug growing up obviously you knew bobby eaton arville but can you imagine ever that you would be mentioned on the tony shivani podcast
0: <laughs> no nah, it's crazy i mean like when I was working for MLW, when I first started, like the first, uh, let's see the first show that I went to, I'm pretty sure the first couple Tony Schiavone was still doing commentary there.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and he, I mean, you know, like you said, little Doug was thinking, man, this is crazy. Like <laughs> I'm reffing matches that that's, you know, being called by Tony Schiavone is, is it's nuts.
1: Yeah yeah it is nuts, and I'm happy for you, dude. I thought it was so cool man so doug this is a this is a question you know that I think's important to ask. you know there's a lot of people that that love wrestling, uh but may maybe they can't maybe they don't have the height, the build, the pedigree, bloodline, whatever you want to call it. to be a professional wrestler uh they don't have the athleticism, whatever a lot of factors, but uh, such an important role in in wrestling is the referee. What do you think makes a great referee?
0: Oh, man, um, that's a good question. And I still don't consider myself great, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> let's see. You just, I, I don't know, um, just one that, that really knows how to work. Because um, a lot of refs, you know, just stand in the corner and watch. Yeah, they're not involved. That, that, yeah, it drives me nuts. Um, just, uh, God, I don't know how to how to word it.
2: Maybe just understanding the job, just understanding what you got to do and what well, part yeah. you play.
0: Yeah. Yeah, understanding the job. That's understanding the job and learning it and learning how to work. Had you gone, did
2: MLW use the earpieces or did you know what you were doing before you got in the ring and what you needed needed to be done?
0: They, no, they did use them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They, uh, that's where I kind of got used to them was there. Yeah,
2: yeah. I know that's part of the current referee deal. You know, I know there's guys on the indies that don't use them, but I know that's kind of part of what a referee is now on the higher levels.
0: Yeah, now it's it's kind of, I guess, needed. Yeah, yeah. But um, I understand why we have them and stuff. I just, I don't care for them personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I got used to them, but, you know, It's just something extra on you that's not normally there. Right,
1: right. I kind of think it it seems to me a little bit like a Vince McMahon uh, invention because he's such a control freak. But, I mean, I I don't know. That's what I've always thought about. (laughs) Probably earpieces.
2: Who is in your ear, Doug? Is it the agent?
0: Usually it would be Cork.
2: Okay, okay.
0: He would would be the one. Uh, Most of the time he was pretty quiet when I was in the ring. Yeah, and everybody told me that was because I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, yeah, there was a few times when when he was screaming, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> well what would you be screaming about?
0: just uh positioning or you know time cues or something just
2: sure
0: you know if 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 I needed to be two feet to the left or just whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand, because they're making a TV product there, so that makes sense. So you know, I I've heard all kinds of stories about that kind of stuff. I I'm sure that was not always very pleasant, and and I can definitely understand that. So you know, there are you know where you were working on a television product and and doing that, you know, a lot of the current in and, and this you know a WWE, I think you know we we talked to on on the Wolfie D podcast. We talked to Drake Younger, and obviously he had worked for NXT and WWE. Did a match at WrestleMania. I mean, this this guy had done a lot, but he was also he kind of came from also the death match scene and stuff. But it turned into a referee, and 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 ended up doing a very good job at it. And I was saying that you know the WWE refs to me are almost what you would call perfect. But when you watch a match, and I've I've actually started to watch a match from the perspective of looking at the referee, because I think it's kind of like a third way to watch the match. You know what I'm saying? So you watch from the heel perspective or the baby perspective, or you watch from the referee's perspective. Are there things currently about TV referees that annoy you at all?
0: Um, well, I don't watch a lot of current stuff.
2: Okay. Me either. Uh, I get it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. Some of the overselling and the, uh, I don't know but just taking away from a match there you don't need to do that. Yeah. You dr- don't need to be on right. The red. Right,
2: right. And I almost feel and I'm not knocking her cuz I'm sure she loves her job and is very good at. But the Audrey Edwards, I feel like she kind of sometimes can take away. It's almost like she's trying to be, you know, in the match itself, you know, but Right. I don't want to just sit here and knock somebody, but it just, it's like, there's an element of doing it like, kind of like Jerry Calhoun or Tommy Young to where you, you kind of sell the move that they like. like Lawler did a pile driver. Jerry Calhoun would kind of do that thing where he like reacted to how the pile driver would make him feel, you know what I mean? And there's an art, There's an art form to that, and surely to—I mean, you mentioned them in your Mount Rushmore, and they're in my Mount Rushmore as well of referees, Tommy Young, Jerry Calhoun, or both. But to me, there's an art to that, to where you're selling and making it an impactful showing, but at the same time, you're not just, like, distracting. It's it's a fine line. Trust me. I'm a manager. I did a manager. It's kind of similar to a manager in that I don't want to pull the heat away from my guy. I want to direct it to the match and to my guy. I don't want to pull it to me. And it's kind of a fine line You gotta walk there
0: Yep
2: This is just something I want to ask you bef- before we get into our patented name game. Do you have any funny road stories that you can tell us that came up that maybe, you know, something that I know you did a lot of driving by yourself, but in those instances that you were riding with somebody, is there anything funny that popped up that maybe you can tell without, you know, implementing anybody in a crime
0: okay. or anything? <laughs> I'll give you one that you might have seen post or, or comments on Facebook and maybe not know what it was about. Okay. Uh, this one night we were in Rockwood and it was Blunkett and Buzz. Oh man. And Bobby Eaton. And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we were driving back to Nashville. But when we left the building, everybody walks out to the car and Bobby just got in the back. Okay. So I got up front, so it was, you know, Plunkett and Buzz and Bobby and me. And you got to have two in the front, two in the back. Well, Bobby got in the back. So I got in the front. Yeah. So Plunkett and Buzz start in on me. They're like, man, I can't believe you made Bobby sit in the back, <laughs> So you know, and it, it just keeps going and keeps going and nothing I can say is going to change it. And so we stopped at the store. Everybody goes in, gets their stuff. We come out. Everybody gets back into the car the same way. Yeah. Like, so we leave and we get down the road and they start in on me again. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, this time, without missing a beat from the back seat, Bobby says, Guys, I begged and begged him in the store to sit up front and he told me no. <laughs> so from then on like bobby just took the rib and ran with it, it was, to this day they st- like even anytime me and bobby would go anywhere after that yeah we would be in a hotel or something and i'd get a text on the phone from either buzz or plunkett and they would say something like you better not make bobby sleep in the floor you dick
2: you know something like that oh man well you know that's funny that you say all that about this so I tell you what why don't we go ahead and lead into the give me back my pro wrestling patented name game would you like to play the name game Doug Markham sure all right DJ hit the music All right, we are back with Doug Markham and the Name Game on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Aunt. The very first name, and you've been talking about him here, and he's you've known him all your life. But talk about Bobby Eaton.
0: Well, Bobby, uh, I didn't really know him my whole life, but like, you know, my parents knew him when they were teenagers, and then I didn't see him again until, you know, later on. But um, Bobby was like He's just one of the best humans that, that ever walked the earth, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Most humble man that, that I've ever met. He, he never understood why people wanted to pay to like get his autograph and stuff like that. You know, we would go to these conventions and stuff and he he would tell me, I just don't understand why they want to pay money for me to sign that picture or whatever. And I'm like, cause you're freaking Bobby Eaton.
2: (laughs) Seriously, seriously.
0: He, just, he didn't understand that. Yeah.
2: He
0: was so, very humble.
2: Yeah, so humble, extremely underrated, and is often quoted as being one of the greatest of all time by Ric Flair, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. when Ric Flair says you're great, there you go. So, Were you around him much later on in his life before he passed, Doug?
0: Um, Well, 20, let's see, the last weekend that we – had together we went to West Virginia for a Friday and a Saturday show yeah and that was like the first weekend of March 2020 and we were supposed to go to Ohio two weeks later for Bobby Fulton's show and COVID happened the week after the West Virginia trip and shut everything down yeah and so I didn't see him anymore after that we talked on the phone several times but
2: yeah it was sad that i just know that the world was a better place having him in it and and anybody you know he i worked with him a couple times in virginia and got to know him and you know once you know bobby and he Respects you. I mean, to say that Bobby, Bobby, I felt like respected everybody. But what I mean is, is like he at least knows you know what you're doing enough. And then I would work for I, I managed him once for Porter in Kentucky. So when I, I I saw him at Saw, and I've told this story a million times, the listeners are probably tired. But I'm going into Saw, and on the back wall, it's Bobby, it's Cersei, it's Reno. And Wolfie And I go up And Bobby just stands up And immediately hugs me How you doing brother How you doing Everything good How's things been going on And stuff And he hugs me I mean it's a big hug Out of the corner of my eye I see Wolfie and Reno Sitting there And Reno's like Well (laughs) It kind of gives this thing To where if he's all right, I can't, you know, he must be all right if Bobby likes him, you know, and yeah. I, I, it kind of got me an in there with those guys to where they they really didn't know me. And of of course, I'm sure Reno's favorite manager was Paul Adams. And for good reason, Paul was great. But it was like, okay, this guy actually, he might be worth something to have around. <laughs> so
0: that yeah, was just. he, Bobby. uh, Bobby, he used to get me bookings too. He would. uh, he would call me up and ask me if I was booked on a certain date, and uh, like if, if 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 a promoter was calling him to book him. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he would get me booked because you know we would ride together. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And who's gonna argue with Bobby Eaton if he tells them they're that he's bringing a referee, right? Right. They're gonna be like, yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, it's a voucher that that voucher and in no disrespect to Arvil, but that vouchers even more than Arville, You know, that one is the, one of the highest vouchers you can get as far as in wrestling goes, you know. So lo- love that man and, and wish he was still around, you know, that just a great, great man. So, so many we've lost, but Bobby's one of the biggest, I think, as far as that goes. Jerry, go ahead with the next
1: So Jimmy was kind of leading me into it there, but how about how about Arval Hutto? Tell us a little bit about Arval.
0: Arval is a really good dude, too. Um, him, I have known my whole life pretty much. Off and on, you know, there's several years we'd go and not see or talk to each other, but uh, I've pretty much known him my whole life. And like I said earlier, he's the only person that had enough faith in me to put me in the ring for the first time. So without him, there's no me in wrestling.
1: Yeah, he was great. He was great to us when he was on the podcast. He was just a, a such a genuine guy. So modest, too. So humble. Oh, yeah. He just
2: doesn't believe, you know, he's like he, he's just great to text with and talk to. And we've got something planned for the Wolfie D show with the whole Mephisto Dante crew as a somewhat part two to the episode we had him on. And, you know, Tommy and Arville, man, you could talk to them all day about wrestling and, and they would tell you a new story and, and just their treasures, you know, and these are the guys that. It, to me, they are neither you nor myself for the little bit I did. You know, neither of us would matter without the roads those guys paved for us, you know, so.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: How about, um, we owe the, we owe this guy a lot. After we had him on, we've had some incredible success at, uh, booking a lot of guys. But how about Mr. Shane Morton?
0: Oh man, Shane, he has done a lot for me. Um, He's the one that orchestrated the deal that brought me to Saul for the first time. Um, I don't know, like, I mean, he saw something in me. He's told me that before, you know. He said, He said, You got a lot of potential. I see a lot in you, you know. And so he took me to Saul that first time. And, um, anytime he would run a show, I would work for him, you know. The whole, the whole Morton family has been great to me. Yeah, they're all great. The whole time, you know, every time, every, everyone I've ever met treated me like family.
2: Absolutely. I love, From,
0: love Shane yeah, to death. Yeah,
2: Shane, Steve, Bubba, Cody, David, you know, I've managed and managed against all them. Jerry Lynn's hilarious, total troublemaker. She is, is she, <laughs> you know. She's a trip. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon's also another referee, Brandon Morton, you know, to me, you know, they're they're all a great crew. And I I think the world of all of them, honestly, they're they're up there. They've got a special place in my heart, that whole family. And I always joke, you know, and I'm just going to say this, you know, (laughs) Shane's show has reached levels that we never expected to reach with this podcast. And, you know, he hit, I mean, I'll just say it 2000 plus downloads and that's not even counting the YouTube views and stuff. And he, he's kind of, he's number one. And I don't know that anybody will eclipse that. Although Rick Reynolds might be getting up there, you know, so far Quentin's been high too. But what I mean by that is I I can't wait till other people start listening to it because I believe it's just been all the Morton family listening at first, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah they're they're great people oh, yeah his wife's awesome when i was working for shane and i it was probably some of the same shows you were reffing you know i brought my son because i would have my son sometimes and i'd be like all right cash we're going to a wrestling show and we would ride there and virginia his wife she's so sweet she would take care of cash while i was being a dastardly heel you know <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah Virginia is awesome her and my wife hang out now when on Friday nights in Tullahoma
2: yeah that's awesome yeah she's a sweetheart okay so the next name on the list for the name game is Mr. Tommy Mercer aka Crimson
0: Crimson uh he has done a lot for me uh I met him for the first time when we were working at Saul Um, yeah um didn't really get to didn't really get to know him a lot there um and then when he started uh tried and true pro wrestling in Clarksville I worked for him the first show that he did and ended up working every show after that for a long time Yeah, that that was also a good show that tried and true man that was so much fun
2: yeah a lot of great talent on there too you know
0: yeah, Crimson's a good dude.
2: Yeah, I that one was kind of something that was a little bit geared to, you know, his past in the military too, right? He had guys on there that were, you know, that yep. were vet veterans of the military and we love the troops obviously. We big supporter of them and to know that he's a veteran but also, you know, a veteran of the wrestling ring too and he was one of the first guys that Kind of taught me that appearance was important. You know, I worked a show with him and Sam Shaw. They came in a couple shows for Porter and we were sitting in the back and honestly we were there much after everybody had left and you know a lot of the guys kind of took that stuff for granted but I always like to listen to these guys talk and you know I said you know I just said something like to Tommy and and Sam I said well you guys look like a million bucks you know what I mean and they said you have to man that's, that's if you want to be at that next level that's what you got to look like you know that's the look they yep. need you and I was never going to need to look like they did. But it taught me that taking inventory on the look that you provide to the crowd was important. So I I had a three-piece suit, you know, I had a million ties and i thought well i'm never going to be muscular like them or i'm ne- at that point it wouldn't make sense but I-, I needed to take my look seriously too and and that's when i kind of tried to upgrade my my look a little bit after i talked to them and listened to them talk you know so right yeah great guys too great guys
1: <laughs> all right how about one of our probably well it's our first guest, but i wasn't a part of the interview uh so maybe we got to rectify that
0: sometime How about Jeremiah? (laughs) How about Jeremiah? Funky. Uh, I think I met him for the first time at Saul also. Okay. Him and drew was worked up there. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we became friends and, um, started hanging out outside of wrestling. And I remember the first time I went on a trip with him and drew to Memphis. Um, That was still probably 2013, 2014, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was still trying to get noticed and get my name out or whatever. So I went to Memphis with them, and uh, I worked for free that day because uh, I wasn't booked. I just showed up with them because I didn't have anything else to do. Why not, right? I ended up working. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked for free, and had a fun time with Plunkett and drew that was my first road trip with them ever yeah that was a, that was a fun time yeah what a great Plunkett, time. he's uh yeah he he's one of my one of my best friends in or out of wrestling
2: yeah great guy great guy heck of a wheelman too I don't think I've said that before but plunky's a heck of a wheelman I you know he'll get you there safe I'll just say that you know so <laughs> which is important. So the next one I have on the list here, and this these guys, you know, talk about all the great tag teams from Tennessee. You know, I always talk about the Devils, Wild Boys, Mortons, the Scots, you know, so many great tag teams, disturbing behavior, so many just absolute, the hero killers. I mean, the untouchables, as we talked about Drew and Plunky. But this one, this team, they, they rose above it all and ended up, Taking it to the big time, and I just need to hear your thoughts on PG thirteen.
0: I always like PG thirteen. Uh, I remember Jamie came to Huntsville to a fair show one time. Uh, he probably hadn't been in the business long at that point either. Yeah, but I remember seeing him like early on, and uh, and Wolfie. I mean, I I always like their gimmick i like the way they work yeah and uh then you know i met wolfie at stadium in when i was working for tony Falk. that's where yeah. i met him for the first time but yeah pg-13 they're a good tag team
2: absolutely
0: yeah what about sam shaw sam uh he's a heck of a talent man i worked a lot with him at tried and true he was the champion for a while and uh he's a beast in the ring man Really nice guy, though. Kind of quiet.
2: Yeah, yeah. Great guy. Great look. Heck of an artist.
0: Oh, yes. He's a very good artist. Um, I've got one thing that he did for a Christmas present for my wife that I gave her. And he also drew one of my tattoos that I have.
2: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, I hope good things for him too, because he's been doing some cool stuff with that De- Dexter gimmick and stuff. And I really hope that he, you know, ends up. I, I would love to see him do more and more, you know, because I think he's worked for it. Funny story about Sam is he he gave me my first hard way. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he does the leg drop off the top rope, the Alabama Jam, whatever you want to call it. And I think. Either Plunky or Tommy dropped an elbow. I think it was Tommy dropped an elbow on me, and then and then Sam, you know, did the leg drop. And I did not turn my head the right way. I actually looked straight up, and he he kind of caught me, and (laughs) he he felt bad about it. But there was no reason to feel bad. It was my fault, and busted my lip pretty good. So that was my last night working for Porter, and I, I spit a little of my blood in the ring to give to Porter there. So as I was leaving, (laughs) so
0: my my first, my first hard way came from hot rod big. Oh
2: really? Let's hear that.
0: Yeah. It was a kendo stick to the head. (laughs) And Mm. I guess, I guess it, it just called me just right. Yeah. And laid me open, man. Yeah. I remember I got to the back that night when, when I got to the back, uh, Homie D, Tommy Haggie's son.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: He said, uh, "He said I didn't know you were supposed to get color." I said, "I wasn't." <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man! Hey, speaking of, have you ever had to hold a, a blade for anybody?
0: Oh yeah, lots. Yeah, of times.
2: lots of times. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I don't g- really, I don't really like doing it, only because. Um, I just don't want to be seen passing it, you know? Right, right. So, and I mean, I guess I've always done it good enough or whatever. I've never had anybody complain about it, but it's it's just, I guess it's more of a mental thing, you know? Definitely,
2: definitely. You don't want to make a mistake. And that that's one right. extra thing. That's one extra thing you have to worry about, you know? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What's the crazy? I mean, because I know guys that keep them in their cheek. I know guys that do it in their wrist tape, and I know guys that count on the referee to have it. You know that kind of thing. Have you seen a
0: lot of guys use the mouth razor? I, I haven't really seen any guys here lately that that put it in their mouth. Yeah, that's super old school,
2: yeah, the yeah. old school dudes that did it, man. That's some crazy stuff. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that, bro. If mm, I were That right just
1: way. seems risky. Ooh.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've heard people say that's how Tully used to hold his. Man. Wow. It was in his mouth.
2: Oh, swallow that. <laughs>
0: mm. Oh
1: <laughs> You Jared. won't think about that. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. How about double J Jeff Jarrett? Jeff Jarrett. Um, I was a fan of Jeff, you know, I mean he's always been a good worker, yeah, and um, I don't remember the first time I met him, but then uh whenever Jason James started working with him, yeah uh, i you know, I was friends with Jason. I met him at Saul and um, uh, so I would work the shows. You know, Jason would book me to work their shows and stuff, and then I got to know Jeff, you know, better when I started working the shows and stuff. He's always, always treated me good. Always been good to me.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Okay, the next one on the list here. This these guys kind of modified their gimmick. They brought in extra people. They changed the name, but the original team went by Team I O U.
0: Oh man. I met both of those guys at stadium inn um and at the time they were actually feuding with each other
2: oh okay
0: right. was yeah, Carrie was a heel and and Iggy was babyface, and then next thing you know, they were a tag team, but yeah they uh always had fun working with them, both of them were good guys, always had you know enjoyed being around', them.
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, very interesting gimmick, too. It was started out, Jared, as a boy and his dog. It was like uh-huh. Nick, they kind of almost did like a Nick was doing like a he was like a teenage heartthrob kind of character that he played. He was like the eternal baby face. And then, you know, uh, Carrie was this rough and tumble Dutch man tail trained, you know, uh, kind of like a Dutch in a way, wasn't he? A little bit like he had a Dutch man tail yeah, st- I mean- style about him. And he kind of, developed into a dog so the idea was they were two tag teams but they were like a boy and his dog and they even had a they even had a comic book that I was in and the very first one I think I was in and they they modified it into being these the tag team called the carnies which was a like a very almost like if American horror story and the the team IOU did a crossover kind of where Nick Iggy turned into kind of more like a I don't know what his style turned into yeah, Ringmaster, and mm-hmm. then you had Carrie kind of turn more like into a gargoyle dog kind of thing. It, it wore a leather mask, and it, very interesting gimmick. I'm honestly surprised that they didn't get a bigger, you know, I know they work for Ring of Honor and stuff, but I, I, I was surprised that nothing more happened for them. It just, you know— Yeah, I know they're still working and doing their own thing. Carrie has kids and Nick, you know, and they're all doing their own thing. But it's funny to me that I just feel like those guys really should have been somebody that somebody should have taken and and taken on and done something with, you know.
0: Yeah, they they're good in the ring. And I mean, they had a good look. The gimmick (laughs) and everything I thought was good.
2: For sure. Interesting and original.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they were always evolving it, too.
2: Yeah, constantly, constantly.
1: This is a uh, this is another guy that um you know has gone too soon and we uh we would have loved to have had as a guest on the podcast, but how about Tracy Smothers?
0: Oh man, Tracy. Uh I'll tell you a funny story about Tracy. First night I ever met him. I was excited. It was like June 2013 and it's on YouTube. You can see the the match. Uh <laughs> I'm in the match. It's Tracy and Josephus, and they're going against uh, Team IOU. Yeah, okay. And I don't know really what happened at the end of the match, but after I made the three count, Tracy gets up and gets on me, and he kind of just gave me a axe handle across the back, you know, and I went down, and he kicked me out of the ring. So I'm just laying there on the floor, chilling, thinking that everything's good, you know? Yeah. And next thing I know, I can't breathe. And I didn't know exactly what hit me, but something hit me, like, in the ribs. Yeah. Well, Tracy had reached out in between the middle rope and the top rope with that uh, prelim that he used to carry. Yes. Yes. Jimmy, you know what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And he hit me with that thing. Mm. And so we get to the back and he was saying that, that I, uh, I I took too long coming to make the three count or something like that. (laughs) Oh man. And so I apologized to him and shook his hand and said, thank you. And went on about my business. Right. Yeah. Well, it was about a month later, I guess, when he was booked up there again and he came walking in the dressing room and I was sitting there and it was still early. There wasn't nobody else in there. And he came over to me and he sat down and he started apologizing. And I told him, I said, you don't have to apologize to me. You know, it's it's over, whatever. And he was like, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. And, you know, and And I I don't know if, like, the night that it happened and I shook his hand and said thank you, I don't know if I, like, earned his respect or what, but from that night on, man, Tracy was gold with me. Yeah, yeah. We had so much fun every time we would be on a show together. Yeah, yeah.
2: He, he was a great person to be around. I recently, and I recommend everyone go to YouTube as quickly as you can and go watch this match. It's, it's a Bobby Eaton, Tracy Smothers. It's actually just a schmoz at this point. It's the IWA Mid-South Riot on youtube and he they destroy that place man and i think iwa mid-south had just moved into this smaller building and you know him and bobby it's barely a fight with him and bobby they would kind of lock up and stuff and then tracy's going crazy and again i know he's working you can tell he's working especially because every the, the locker room have you seen this doug no i don't think i have yeah, go watch it. The locker room clears out. He beats all them up. Tracy does. Bobby just kind of dips for a minute or two. Tracy's tearing <laughs> the place up. And the crowd's going nuts, man. There's a girl that throws a, a chair. It might throw that log, <laughs> that that piece of wood at <laughs> Tracy. She grew, threw something at him. He gets mad and she runs off and her boyfriend tries to get in the way. Then I, later on in it, there's a fat guy. I mean, he is just not the kind of guy you would ever want to see have his shirt off. And he's he's got his shirt off and he's like staring all tough at Tracy. And dude, Tracy's like a foot taller than this guy. And the guy's standing there looking at Tracy like he's like giving him the like fingers where he's like saying, come on, you know, like he's got his hands down, but they're kind yeah. of making the come on. Like, and Tracy's like, well, you, you don't want this. And he like takes <laughs> the, the fat guy takes a cigarette and sticks it on his arm and burns his own self, showing Tracy that he's tough. <laughs> and nothing happens with the guy, but it was just like the weirdest thing to see. And then, of course, Tracy just continues Tearing up the place. Uh, I, I highly recommend. I don't I don't know if it's a Brian Turner video. I don't think it is. But I highly recommend you first go watch Brian Turner's VHS Rehab YouTube channel. That's a highly recommend. But I definitely highly recommend you go and type in Tracy Smothers IWA Mid-South Riot. Yeah, it's awesome. And it was clearly, it was so effectively done by two people World-class wrestlers, but also at the same time, to see how Tracy controlled the crowd by with doing this riot. I mean, of course, there's people running every which way, trying to get out of the way, and a lot of the guys that worked on the IWA Mid South you know roster they kind of look like the crowd when they're rolling out of the locker room so you re- it's hard to tell which part of it is the crowd and which part of it is the boys but it, it, long story short you know tracy was just a master of that kind of stuff and you
0: know just yeah he uh we, we thought we were at the fair show one night in nashville and we thought he was gonna start a riot up there at the fair one night
2: <laughs> oh man oh just a master. Oh, miss him, too. Definitely, definitely, you know, didn't get to know him as well as some others, but I got to know him a little bit. Just a great guy. So, well, hey, Doug, that is it for the name game, brother. Definitely glad you played and appreciate you playing. Jared, you get the next question.
1: All right, uh, Doug, I, I had a, a question kind of pop into my head when when you, we were going over your Mount Rushmore and um, – and then even the referee question about what makes a great referee. What, what are your thoughts on, um, two, I uh, got two matches in specific, uh, where, where referees, uh, maybe have been blamed or, or they were a big part in the match, maybe. So the first one would be the Montreal screw job. What kind of pressure do you think that like Earl Hebner had to feel in that moment? Cause he was close to Brett and, but he's, his job yeah. is basically on the line. If he doesn't do what he, what he's told
0: that's like probably the toughest position you could ever be put in. Yeah. Um, and I've heard, you know, I've heard the story told by Gerald Briscoe and I've heard it told by Jim Cornette and I've heard it told by Earl. And it's like, I mean, he did what he had to do, Yeah. but, and that's pretty much why, uh, briscoe said that he waited until earl was on his way to the ring to tell him because he didn't want to give him any time to have to think about it right
2: right it was just like he knew what he had to do and that was it you know yeah and it, and then the other um, oh, man yeah, yeah.
1: yeah the the other the other thing same year 1997 about a month apart the uh the starcade 97 sting hogan match uh, with Nick Patrick. I, I've heard, I heard Nick do a, a thing recently talking about there was just so much confusion that day. Like everybody, like there was like 10 different things going around between Bischoff, Hogan, Sting, and everything like that. But <laughs> it's it's always it's always how, how bad do you think i guess wc maybe my question is how bad do you think wcw botched it by doing that and then like going with it as a slow count when it was all or, or a fast count when it obviously was not a fast count at all so how do you think wcw yeah botched that, it?
0: yeah oh i i mean i don't know how they did but they did yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. there again i mean if it's You know, sometimes there's stuff that happens in a match, and you just got to kind of go with it and deal with it later, I guess.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, what we've heard is Sting said there's supposed to be a fast count. Hogan's like, give it a nice, solid, regular count, and then you can't find Eric Bischoff to talk to him about it. You know, we covered this topic in full with our what-if Sting versus Hogan, but, you know... It would be good to hear your perspective on that. So, pretend you're in the shoes, maybe the biggest name you've ever worked with. Let's just pretend whoever that name, maybe Bobby, maybe Tracy, whoever the biggest name you've ever ref. And then at the same time, they come to you and say, Hey, Doug, I know, you know, this guy said this, but, you know, I'm kind of the big name around here. I need you to do a solid count. What would you do in that position?
0: Oh, man. Uh, well, I would try to go find the booker, first of all.
2: Sure, Um, yeah. (laughs) Clear it up, to clear it up, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and make sure that that was what was going to happen. But then, I mean, God, once you're out there, I guess you just got to, I mean, you got to kind of go with it.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's got to be a tough position. Yeah, I mean, I would try to make my counts as normal as possible, but. You know what I'm saying, but still yeah. not try to piss him off at the same time
1: <laughs>
0: does that makes sense
2: it does it does you're you're so maybe like a a little bit faster, but maybe not as fast as you know not as normal, not normal, but not fast. It's kind of like an in between yeah, yeah, yeah where it could go both ways. But that's interesting that it was brought up because a lot of people like Jared's even said this to where Nick Patrick kind of had that
1: slower cadence about his like, it, and it long kind of one, two, three. I mean, it was, it was like long arm motion or something like that. Yeah. And and you know,
2: one thing that, yeah, it is definitely one thing that kind of, and even Earl was bad about this to where some of the refs would hit the mat and it was like one and they would hit the mat and it would seem like that was the one, but it wasn't. It was like they would hit the mat and then it would be one, two, three at that point. So it was like really like a four count. You know what I'm saying? Where? Yeah you you kind of want to me as a guy that would I've never been a referee actually was told I should have been a referee starting out that's what my mentor Kenny still wanted me to be was a ref and perspective wise I probably should have done that but when it comes down to it I would almost have tried to say okay my hitting of the mat like, so I go down to start to count the one, two, three. I would try to get that one in on my first drop. But, you know, I think even Earl kind of had a style that was like a drop one, two, three, where, you know, who who's right? Earl Hebner or me? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but in the long run of things, you know, to me, I would have maybe tried to modify my style a little bit in that way. Do you know what I'm talking about, Doug?
0: Yeah. And, and I try not to. Make any sound on the mat until I'm I'm counting one two three. You know.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, you know. One more thing, just on that uh, Cade '97 match. Maybe a guy. If I was, if I was Nick Patrick, maybe, maybe a guy I would have went and checked with if he was available would have been Bret Hart because he knew <laughs> Bret. Well, he knew Bret was going to come out at the end. <laughs> yeah. And just been like, just been like, hey, Bret, are you still involved at the end? Because yeah. if you're still involved at the end, then I'm doing a fast count. It's got to be fast. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe yeah. That, maybe, that the, maybe that was, maybe that was a person he could have asked. I don't know since the other three were. It's uh, like, hey,
2: <laughs> Hey Brett, you just been screwed. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have said that that Montreal deal was a work though. You know, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Doug?
0: I don't think it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, people will probably argue about it until the end of time, but, when you've heard the story from so many different people that were there and that knew about it, yeah, I don't think it was a work.
2: Yeah. I think it's weird, though, because me, one of the guys that really honestly, I'm mean not to say this because he's gone now, but he kind of died on that hill of saying that it was a work with Scott Hall and knowing his relationship with Sean, it always made me question if it was because he was he was sold on it being a work you know you would think yeah what i would do is i if i were saying that oh it's a work it's a work it's a work it's a work i would then go to my friend and say hey sean was it a work work, now at that point if he said between you and me it is a work or between you and me, it wasn't a work. I would then stop saying that it was a work, you know, not continuing on. So there, I don't know. There was always something about the Scott Hall saying it kind of tripped me up a little bit, especially because of the relationship that he had with Shawn Michaels, you know, even though he wasn't there at the I'd time, like you know, I don't know. But anyway, who knows? We'll never know.
1: We'd I had to have somebody crack to tell us. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Somebody would have to crack. For sure. Yeah.
1: So, so Jimmy kind of asked you this in a in a roundabout way earlier about the MLW, but maybe besides the MLW, what's your your favorite match you've ever been a part of? Oh man,
0: uh, God, I don't know if I could pick just one. Well, you could give us a couple, two or three. It's because I've, I've worked with so many great people, uh, but even like and they're all listening, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> they
2: want to hear their name now. Come on.
0: Like, there's been so many fun matches I've been a part of, and then there's, you know, ones that stick out because they meant something different. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of the matches that I did in Columbia, when Shane and Steve were uh, feuding with Dante and Mephisto, those were some real fun matches to ref. Oh, man, I bet. They were wild. Like, yeah. that was just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Though, so, like I said, the the Von Eriks, when they won the, the tag titles, that was pretty cool to ref that match.
2: That's another people. Why aren't uh, they bigger?
0: Why aren't now? they somewhere? That's exactly I mean, yeah. I don't 100%. know.
1: Um, maybe they don't want to be. I, don't I
0: know. think a lot of it maybe had to do with them living in Hawaii. Mm. Maybe the promoters, be. some promoters didn't want to, you know, fly them over here. But I think now they're moving back to Texas.
2: Gotcha. Okay.
0: So I yeah. think I saw a Facebook post over the weekend that they were saying they were moving to Texas.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, that tag team to me is just a no brainer why somebody hasn't signed them. I mean, that legacy alone and, you know, the mental health that that's yeah. gone through that family has been unfortunate, but those guys seem to have it really together, you know. So
0: It was crazy when we uh when we went to Dallas for MLW. Mhm. And the Von Eriks were there of course and uh Kevin came in for it. Oh, dude. <laughs> that, that that alone sold the show out right there.
2: Yeah, because Kevin's that not was, one of these guys you can see at conventions all the time and stuff. He's yeah. you know, he's elusive for sure. And who blames him? Who can he blame came, him? Yeah.
0: He came for his boys. That was yeah. that was really cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I can't wait to see that Iron Claw movie. We, you know, our buddy mutual friend Cassidy Riley's in that movie. Can't wait to see his role, and just uh, honestly, can't wait to see that movie. I'm, I'm very happy about. Hopefully, it's, it's as awesome When's it as.
0: supposed I, to
1: come out? You know, that's a great question. I, I've looked at that. I haven't been able to find it exactly when they say it's coming out, but yeah, I've gotten into Facebook. I want to see it yeah,
2: I've gotten into Facebook arguments about, you know, because <laughs> Zac Efron's in it playing Kevin. And, you know, I've been in Facebook arguments here recently talking about how, you know, people don't understand because they see Zach Efron as some teenage heartthrob idol kind of guy. And I'm trying to teach him about Von Eric Wrestling and Facebook, you know, <laughs> I always joke and say this. If you ever want to hate something that you love, join a Facebook group. <laughs> yeah. No matter if you love something, these people will make you hate it for a minute, you know.
1: So Or read the comments yep. on something on the internet it'll make you hate it just I
2: love Seinfeld I love The Office I love you know so many great shows I join a group I immediately start regretting it I love the Cincinnati Reds I join a Cincinnati Reds group I start just (laughs) just hating it you know that's the one thing we've got to give me back my pro wrestling group and luckily nobody gets in there and really acts a fool I wish somebody would actually because it would make it feel more (laughs) like a real group you know but (laughs) but nobody yet We'll, we'll see maybe there's hope but Doug man I can't thank you enough for coming on the show brother really means the world that you did this not only that you 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 know you've been a a friend of mine and honestly bro i feel like you and i kind of have always been cool from the start but also from the start we were kind of there together you know i was not this seasoned veteran when you there you were not a seasoned veteran when i was there but i feel like you and i kind of were older and we were older than a lot of the guys and not all of them but yeah. you know a lot of them and you know we we took over and and I felt like we did our jobs you know to the best of our abilities and and it was cool and I so I, I kind of feel like in a sense I came in with you in a in a little bit of a way you know and I've just always enjoyed having you as a friend man and having known you you know has been cool so
0: do you uh do you still remember that picture that we had made in the dressing room. so Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Do you, we need that picture. Where is that picture? Do you have it?
0: I will go. I know it's on my Facebook page. I'll have to go and scroll through there and find it, but I'll find it and send it to you.
2: Please do man. But basically Jared, I'm handing him money. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I don't remember how the, like what the deal was, but I remember we thought it was funny to take the picture.
2: Yeah. And well, I, I remember somebody had a wad of cash. It might have been Crawl, and I was like, Crawl, let me yeah. see that real quick, man. Can I borrow that? I promise you can watch me do this. I'm not going to stick it in my pocket. And I go up to you, and I'm like, hey, let me shake your hand with it. <laughs> it was <laughs> great.
0: And look, they, they used that against me a few years later when I was doing a heel ref gimmick yes Oklahoma man lewisburg they they posted that and they're like see we told you he was crooked <laughs> that's awesome dude i never knew that,
2: that that's awesome yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i love that picture man yeah I, I i i haven't seen it in years but i i remember that picture well and just great times man but we just thank you for coming on brother really yeah, means man, thank a lot you so much i
0: appreciate you i appreciate you having me
2: yeah, brother. And I appreciate you listening to the show. I appreciate you supporting it. All you do, you share and like and, and just all the stuff that you do to help our show. I greatly appreciate that, especially sharing it and letting people know about it. Because, you know, man, all the stuff you've done and all the people, you know, and stuff to know you're vouching for us. It's a, in a sense like how Arvel vouched for you, you know, and Arvel vouches for us, too. It's, it's great. All these great veterans that just absolutely go out of their way way to support our podcast it it just means the world and at the same time just knowing that you are a supporter of the show man it just really means the world to us and and we can't thank you enough but the most important part is getting to know you more on this podcast even more than i did you know and just can't thank you enough for coming on and we'll have to get you back on sometime soon maybe for a topic or when we get through all these interviews man (laughs) we got a million of them coming (laughs) up so yeah anytime man Well, we'll have some fun and we'll figure out a good show to have you on. And maybe even we'll do a watch along where you show us some stuff about what a ref's doing or something. It'll be kind of fun to kind of pick your brain as far as that goes, especially when you get to visually see something. But we'll figure that out on down the line. Do you have anybody you'd like to say thank you to as far as helping you through your career or as far as helping you in life?
0: Uh, well, the main one would be my wife, Desiree, um, she's always supported me and stuck by me when i was you know doing this and uh she never complained a lot you know yeah and i was gone a lot and i missed a lot of things with the kids and everything but she's uh she stuck by me and we're better now than we've been ever yeah and so yeah i i want to thank her for that
2: yeah it's it's important to have somebody by your side that's gunning for you, you know, somebody that supports you, you know, that's not only supports you, but helps push you. And even if it's just us doing our dream, you know, even if it's just us getting to be involved in wrestling in ways that you, you we never could imagine, you know, just knowing that you have somebody that has your back and, and that means the world, you know, so. But
0: it does, really does.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you, Desiree. And (laughs) thank you, Doug Markham. And for Doug Markham and the Plastic Sheet Jared Street, I'm Jimmy Street. We'll be right back to wrap things up on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling.
0: it's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Mike Jablonski's Pissed Off YouTube channel. The a in this sport. He's going to tell you all about it. He doesn't care. Watch him! You- gonna
2: hear all about oh man chic what another cool episode one more in the books one more for the good guys one more with doug markham
1: man what a cool episode right doug's awesome Oh, Doug! Doug was uh, Superman. I'm just—it's uh, glad to—it's glad to talk to him. You know, I got my double Mount Rushmore out of him. I got um, yeah, the double. You know, I—I got—I got some you know uh, questions about some controversial uh, wrestling moments from the Attitude Era that kind of give us you know give us his insight to maybe what happened with Starrcade '97 and the Montreal Screwjob stuff like that. So it's—it's it's awesome to hear like a point of view from the referee who's who's Because the referees were such an integral part in those moments.
2: Absolutely. Doug is very integral in moments. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, absolutely. You're right. Doug is is an expert in that field. I know he's very humble. That's just kind of probably his style. But, you know talking about those integral moments with a referee isn't cool and we don't always have a referee on the show but you know we'll have Doug on in the future again to maybe talk some moments or you know just talk about more referee stuff maybe you know who knows but the cool thing was is we had our first referee on the show and it couldn't be happier that it was my buddy Doug Markham you know when it comes down to it, Doug's listened to the whole podcast now, and he's actually been texting me and He said, you know, like, hey, man, I've listened to this episode. I'm almost, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm listening to them all. And I'm just like, brother, that's awesome. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Somebody, yeah, thank you, you so know, much, like, seriously, you know, we appreciate that. So, you know, Doug, that that means a lot. For us to know that someone, even just one person, is listening to the whole episode. So, you know, there are just funnier elements of the earlier episodes that Doug and Jared and I have had laughs about off air that, you know, we'll just leave it at that. But with that being said, you know anybody who's listening to any of our episodes we greatly appreciate you all and you know i've got a lot going on right now with the wolfie d podcast and with this podcast and things like that but one thing i do want to say is up next we're gonna have a very special bonus episode the one that i've been kind of somewhat talking about and couldn't get out of my brain. We're actually gonna bring Jeremiah Plunkett and Kroll on the episode and we're gonna discuss the Kojima NWA title story. And I I, you know, if you're okay, I'm gonna take that one on my own as a Jimmy Street exclusive. And yeah, man. we'll We'll have a good little episode out of that, you know, ever want to bug you past the normal schedule just because I know you're busy with your real life and stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and tackle that subject alone and see what we can do to find out the full details on that Kojima deal. And essentially, Krolls fight for Plunky to maintain him as the main guy in that match. You know, Kojima's coming to America. The NWA is bringing Kojima to America in, you know, cooperation with New Japan. I'm not going to get too deep into it because I don't know as much about it, and I can't wait for Krull to tell the full story. And so, you know, here, coming soon, you're going to hear the full story on a very special bonus episode. If you've automatically set our podcast to download, you'll get it in your app, but The best way to keep up with us is always on G-M-B-M-P-W, on all your social media platforms, maybe even TikTok coming soon. We'll see about that. And then after that, we've got all kinds of good ideas coming up. More interviews, of course. We're we're maybe going to do a topic show coming soon. Their buddy Shane Martin. We'll see when that drops. You know, we like to, we we don't want to tell you too much. We like to tease it a little bit, but, you know, just keep an eye on us. However you can. But again, if you follow us in the apps, you'll never miss a show. We promise. Okay? As long as you're doing that, you're good to go. Make sure while you're in those apps, if you can, click five stars, rate, review. Leave us a little review. Say, hey, these guys are pretty something. I don't know. <laughs> we're pretty somethings. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty somethings. At least something. our mother says so. Our yeah, mother we're, says so. Well, yeah, you're at least something pretty something anyway long story short we thank y'all so much as always you know do you have anything you'd like to say just before we leave no
1: my brother it's just a pleasure to do this with you and glad we get to do it together
2: absolutely well i don't have anything else either my brother again thank you doug markham for the excellent conversation we had with you having a great time with this podcast just keep up all the listens we thank you all so much we'll see y'all in a couple weeks with I don't know (laughs) we'll see (laughs) but hang in there so for Doug Markham my brother the plastic chic Jared Street and myself Jimmy Street we're giving me back my pro wrestling we'll see y'all next time don't forget let's go get in the
1: pool man pool time
2: with a tear in my eye this is the greatest moment in my life (laughs) This has been a James Rock Street production.